0: Do you have someone in your life who loves books? Somebody who not only loves books, but always (laughs) wants to share what she's reading with you, thinking that you're going to love her latest selection. And inevitably, you just can't stand
1: that book that they recommended.
0: That's us. Oh, boy. We both read a lot. Well, I don't
1: even read. I listen. But we very rarely agree (laughs) on what constitutes a good read. I enjoy books that build up new worlds, inviting magic and mystery into horror lives. Science fiction and fantasy rule. I love... I listen to a variety, but it's all grounded in reality. You can keep your elves and space operas. It sounded like you wanted to keep them for a minute. I was very excited. You did get excited. (laughs) Welcome to our podcast, You're Making Me Read What? Your hosts on this monthly podcast are myself, Jessica, and my colleague, Christine. We're librarians who get a thrill out of a great book, but usually can't stand what the other person is reading.
0: We've each selected some of our all-time favorite books, and this is really one of your all-time favorite books. It is. Um, and each month we're alternating between the lists with the goal of persuading the other to enjoy a read she would never have picked up on her own.
1: Mm-hmm. Even a book that isn't entirely your style may have some redeeming qualities to it, right? We'll see. We will see. Okay. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. Spoiler for the, alert. For the three people who have not read
0: this book because I was the fourth and I've now read it. So.
1: I... I have done society a huge justice today. (laughs) I am pleased with myself, and I hope the world reciprocates.
0: I already feel like the world is a lighter place. Those three
1: people, I'm coming for you. (laughs) Come on. gird yourself. (laughs) So, spoiler alerts. Now's the time for us to warn you that we're going to discuss the whole book, including the ending and any magical twists, of which there are many. Of what book? Oh, the book. If you haven't read... A Wrinkle in Time by Madeline Lingo. Uh And you don't want us to spoil anything for you. Please stop listening now and join us again after you've decided to read it, the three of you remaining. Yes. So, yes. And before we even get started on the book, the author, the themes, I have so many notes. So many notes. I could just excuse myself and you could just, just go. I will pantomime your voice. It will be fine. <laughs> we'll work it out. Hi, Christine. How you doing? I love this book, Jessica? It was amazing. (laughs) Thank you so much for making me read it. (laughs) See? Done. A-plus podcast. Okay. First things first. Everyone knows I am a horrible procrastinator. Mm -hmm. I read this book last night. It is... I am holding my own personal copy. Mm -hmm. No one can see it, but it's amazing. It's my copy. Mm -hmm. It's... The pages are yellow and kind of creaky. The back cover is not great. No. Um, But the book is less than 200 pages. Yes. It is a quick read. It is. So I held up my end of the bargain.
0: Oh, my God. I read this last night. You're
1: throwing me under the bus. Oh, totally, yes. After, okay, so
0: seconds before we hit the (laughs) record button. (laughs)
1: This never happens. It never happens. (laughs) I have to share it with everyone. Yeah,
0: your excitement is, you're bouncing off the walls. I'm very happy today. Um, So for my mom and Amy, who listened (laughs) last time, um, Jessica (laughs) was extolling my virtues and saying, oh, you're always prepared, Mm -hmm. and you read mm-hmm, in mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. normal increments mm-hmm. so you're always um and then i forgot we had the podcast until last <laughs> night so last night i got home from work and i was like don't talk to me i have to listen to this book uh, and it's five hours so uh, from, for five hours you may not talk to me and my uh, husband was like okay but i need to nope. nope and i put in earbuds and that was the end of that
1: i'm just so proud of you thank you i'm i'm pleased for both of us i that, finished at seven this morning good enough i mean it's not <laughs> nine this morning so you're <laughs> fine point. uh okay I feel like I've had a good cup of tea. We've both finished the book. We both agree that it's excellent in my voice. <laughs> Everything is good. Is there really anything else we need to talk about? Yes. Mm. Yes, okay. there are so many things. So I don't know if you did any research on her. I always say her last name wrong. How do they say it when you listen to it? Langle. Langle. Mm-hmm. So it's got an apostrophe. There. It's mm-hmm. Madeline L apostrophe Lingle. And I always want to extra pause there. I'm gonna call her La Engle. Ah. But that is not her name. No, so just Lingle. Our author is Madeline Lingle. Um she is an American author, so good job us for not picking another British person. Or you. Good job you. It's a collaborative endeavor. Hmm. She's born in nineteen eighteen. She passed away, I think she's almost ninety in two thousand seven. Um, and she had this really Interesting little career trajectory. Mm -hmm. So she uh, grew up, bounced all over the place, went to college, got married, had two kids, supported her husband's career. But she was writing all along the way. Mm -hmm. She didn't really get anywhere with it. And when she was – I think she was about to turn 40 or she was in her 40s. She was like, I have got to do this. Mm -hmm. If it's not going to happen now, it's not going to happen. So I either need to put my time and energy into it or I don't. So that's when she wrote – a Wrinkle in Time, her amazing first novel, which I'm sure you can agree was fantastic. But wait, I didn't think it was her first one. Well, it wasn't her first novel. It was her first, like, big published novel that yeah. had a claim with it. Okay. She got rejected more than 30 times yep. before she finally got picked up. She wrote the book in 196. 1960- and it finally got published in 1962 which isn't that long of a time span now between writing and getting accepted and published it it was at that point in time okay and then from there she wrote this whole follow-up series so this is the first book in what's called her Kairos series. And there's two phases to it. I'm, I'm sure you're thrilled and you're going to read Can all of these. Can
0: you tell my um, eyes have already glazed? Yes.
1: I'm going to keep talking about it, because okay. I'm very okay, excited. <laughs> so there's four books in the original quartet following the characters and the families you met in this first book. Mm-hmm. And then there's four more books in the next generation oh with the kids of these kids. Oh yes. God. And then there's a secondary series off to the side called the Chronos series that's not really connected but you should read it too. Anyways, there's <laughs> lots of books. And this one, A Wrinkle in Time, even after she'd been rejected 30 times, it won the Newbery Medal in yeah. 1963. It won tons of other awards. She ended up with a Margaret is it a Margaret Edwards Award, the ALA one for significant and sustained literary achievement mm. for young adults. Um, she won a National Endowment for the Humanities Award yeah. for being an amazing author. Like there's a lot of stuff. There were two Awful movie adaptations of this. Really? Yes, I don't recommend them.
0: Either, I'm like you've never seen like I've c- seen because there was a recent one. Mm-hmm. Oh, and you didn't like mm-hmm. that one either. Mm-hmm. Interesting. I okay. mean, it's fine.
1: <laughs> it's fine. Well, so I love Mindy Kaling a lot. And yeah, yeah, I still did not. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm.
0: Interesting because, um, I, uh, hmm, one of the things that I liked about the book mm-hmm. was the ambiguity. Mm-hmm. And so maybe that makes for not a great movie thing because there is so much ambiguity. So if your brain has gone in one direction and the, mm. the director's has gone in another, you're like,
1: yeah, that is not the story. Yeah, that is not what I learned in my 200 pages of reading. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. So there's my, my background spiel to set us up to this amazing novel that I read for the first time, I think, in third grade. Wow. Maybe fourth grade. I was an air quote advanced reader, um, of course. but this is like this is a book that a lot of kids are assigned. You're assigned as a reading item yes. at some point in your K through 12 career, and you somehow got out of that. I know. Isn't How that did, weird? Did you were you sick for a month and you're like, oh no, my eyes no, don't work. I, <laughs> <laughs> I can't do I this today. Remember my
0: sister reading it. Yeah. Um. So it was in the house and yeah. it was around and I still
1: the magnetism with the polarity was flipped. So I was repelled repelled by it. So no one can see Christine's hands right now, but she's doing a very clear back away from me gesture. I'm doing yeah. a Heisman. Yeah, her hands are forward, her head and her neck and body are back. Keep that book away from me. No, thank you, ma'am. Um, I was really surprised when you told me you had never read this, yeah. and I had not added it to our list, and we've been doing this for three and a half years now. Right. Because I just kind of assumed right. you'd read it before. Right. And then when I learned you hadn't. <laughs> Pop that bad boy on! There's so many interesting things in here, and I. So you said one of the few things that you liked about this with the ambiguity. What did you think of it in general? I was kind of mocking you earlier. I assumed you weren't going to like it because you don't like most of my books.
0: Um, I. I really wanted to like it. Honestly, <laughs> I really did. And I, so I love the writing. The writing is fabulous. Yeah, it is, good. it is what I would hope that all authors aspire to. It's concise. It's she, she gets a bang for every word she uses. Mm-hmm. Everything has a purpose. She mm-hmm. doesn't go on and on and on like I'm doing right now. Um, <laughs> it's it's beautifully written. There's Everything. no question about it. Um, so I appreciated that very much. I also love the title. I know that's kind of a weird thing to get no. stuck on, but it's a good one. The um, the audiobook has. Uh, a foreword by the director of one of the recent oh, movies, sure. and then an afterword by Madeline Langle's um, one of her granddaughters. Mm. And it's lovely. So um, the granddaughter was saying that Madeline Langle um, credited her own mother for the title of the book because she was going to call it Mrs. What's It, Mrs. Who, and Mrs. Witch." Oh, no. And that would have been just like a really dopey title. That's to like name. a rolled doll book. Yeah, it almost felt Abbott and Costello-ish to oh, me, like, yeah. you know, who's on First Business. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but A Wrinkle in Time, that is a fascinating concept. And I love the visual imagery of holding her skirts together to explain, yes. uh-oh. Uh, it, when I said that, Jessica's
1: eyes lit up and she immediately, oh, there's a drawing in the book. Yeah, so cause, oh. because you listen to the books, right. there's not a lot of illustrations no. in here. But the one series that they did do was when they were explaining – how you how you move across space and time. Yeah. And they they draw it out so it's easy to see because they're talking to children right. about this. I guess we should, for the three people who have not listened or read this book, give a little explanation. Please. So the book starts off on a dark and stormy night. That is literally the first sentence. <laughs> I know. <but> that's <laughs> a dark and stormy night. <laughs> and it follows three-ish main characters. It follows two siblings, uh, Meg and, um, and Charles, Wallace. Charles Wallace's Murray. Murray's their last name. Mm-hmm. Um, so the young lady, Meg, is maybe 13, 14. She's in high school. I was a little confused. So, so I'm thinking she's 14, 15-ish. Youngish high school. Yeah. And the little boy is five. Yes. Um, and their friend, Calvin, who is also in high school, is maybe 15 or 16. And um, the Murray family is missing their dad. Mm-hmm. So it's four kids and a mom. The mom's incredibly smart. The mom and dad are both scientists. And it's implied that the dad has gone he worked for maybe NASA or some secret American government agencies, and he's been gone while he's been working on some kind of project. Well, he was in New Mexico. And we all know what happened in New Mexico. And he was in New York for a little while, and then he and was then down Cape in Cape Canaveral. Canaveral. And so you enter the scene with this family that's kind of grieving in very different ways, mm-hmm. the loss of the parental figure in their family. And the young boy Calvin, or the young boy, um, Charles Wallace, is very, very, very smart, like weird smart, mm-hmm. extra super smart. And he tells his sister about these three ladies, they're called tramps in the book, which <laughs> makes you think about Disney stuff, uh, who are living in a house abandoned a couple yards away. And eventually you find out that the dad had been working on some space time continuum work, and he is lost and stuck in this other space and these extra-dimensional figures, Mrs. Who, Mrs. What's it, and Mrs. Which, are helping these three kids to find two of their dad in order to continue fighting this great good versus evil conquest that is happening across various dimensions and spaces um, and I won't go too much further than that because everyone's, everyone's read it. <laughs> Uh, but there, there are so many pieces in here that I reread, and I was like, Oh, <laughs> yeah! How did I rem- How did I not remember that there was yeah. a giant brain sitting on a pedestal? <laughs> that is a hard image <laughs> to forget. Right? Yes. So eventually, they find the dad. He's on this other planet. He's been not brainwashed, but kind of in this really totalitarian, authoritarian state. Um, and they're they able to, at the end of the story, they don't tie up every loose end because there are three more books to come, mm-hmm. but they're able to tie up the main storyline and bring their family back together, which is, is lovely for a, a young child who this story is intended for, for, yes. for young adults, to, to know that there is some good at the end before you press for on to the next storyline. Yeah. So there's a little general synopsis. Mm-hmm. So what did you like? Tell me all the many, all of the everything that you like. All of them. We all don't have them. enough time. All of the. I mean,
0: this would be a four-hour podcast. I mean, I'm in it. I don't need lunch today. <laughs> um, I was perplexed by Charles Wallace's name. That's a big name for a little dude, and he was, you know, he was definitely very appealing. I yeah. liked that character very much. Precocious. Yes. Yes. But in a in a very sweet way yeah. he was very appealing um and i like the mom a ton too mm-hmm. i thought she was really mrs murray yeah she should have been they, they're both doctors murray because <laughs> they both doctors had, murray yes yes um meg you will not be surprised to hear didn't do it for me she was very whiny
1: whiny 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 wow okay so i'm gonna rebut slightly. okay go rebuttal hmm no <laughs> <laughs> Okay. One. You've won me over. <laughs> I did not win you over on that one. She is definitely winning. So uh, she's 13 or 14. Mm-hmm. She is processing her grief about her dad in, yeah. in one way. Yeah. She also, you you read about in the start part of the book, she does not feel very well about herself. Yeah. So yeah. she is a young lady. So she is unhappy with her hair. She thinks yeah. that she is not beautiful right everyone thinks she's dumb in school because she doesn't pay enough attention even though she's way smarter than all of them right um, so she's got all these things going on and she doesn't know where she fits into her family at this point so I, I even though this was only 200 pages I saw a little bit more of her journey and I remember where it's going so that probably right. helps a little bit too
0: well and I didn't even mind like it is very clear she gets in trouble every day mm. or frequently at school, and she yeah. gets in trouble with her neighbors because she's defending
1: her, this her little sweet brother. little yeah. Charles
0: Wallace, um, with the weirdo name, um, <laughs> big name little kid, exactly. Yeah. Um, so that didn't bother me at all, but when they're on this mission, sure, she's still wackadoodle to me, and and Calvin, who is this like friend that they just pick up mm-hmm. in this weirdo this way, yep. yeah. Um, and so I was. Perplexed by that as well. Mm-hmm. That seemed like a, like a, here, we're just going to throw this guy in and you're going to be okay with
1: it. Oh, no, this is classic adventuring. <laughs> this is, <laughs> so we haven't read The Hobbit yet, but we, have, will oh yes, oh, we will at some point. Yes. We will at some point. And it's a classic adventuring. So you start off with a core group, usually right. family members or people who are closely tied, and then you just, bring people in so come on in calvin you don't know why you're here that's okay let's make this happen ms who's it miss what's it mrs which sure you're intergalactic you're space ladies yeah. and when you take on people sizes and shapes you wear too many scarves and one of you only talks in foreign language quotes fine <laughs> it's all good we're with it like it's we're on a magical journey together and together we will find what is at the end of this railroad. road we will work it out you have just perfectly described the willing suspension of disbelief oh yeah i am in it like (laughs) he doesn't know why like he tells calvin tells us he he doesn't interact with meg in school at all and he had like a premonition right and he follows his instincts so he and charles wallace both have this kind of extra dimensional quality to them right that meg in this book you don't see right like she's in an in-between state still right and and I was intrigued by that. Yeah. I thought that was interesting. And I own the other three books, if you would like to borrow them. It's... I work at a library. Oh, okay. I feel like I could mm. get them mm-hmm. almost any day. So I'm going seg- to segue us slightly Please. over to, to tessering. So tessering. The, the, the physical manifestation of moving through space and time. So which, the which illustration that we were talking other about. Other people might call teleporting. Sure. But teleporting through time and space.
0: Oh, see, I'm not smart enough to know the difference. Please continue with tessering.
1: Well, uh, that's as far as I was going to go with that. But I did <laughs> want to remind you, since I know you don't watch any of the Marvel products, that uh, there is an object in the Marvel world called the tesseract, which oh. uh, what made me very happy when I reread this phrasing because I was like, oh, oh tie-ins. I'm going to go rewatch the whole series now and oh uh, <laughs> just see what I can find. How do you ever do anything else? I, there's a little, very little sleep in my life and a lot of sugar. <laughs> um, so... The one thing that I am surprised you haven't touched on yet is the really heavy religious overtones in this book.
0: I was very surprised when I got to that part. I was like, whoa, this is not very Jessica to
1: mm-hmm. me. And yep. so I was, go on. So Ms. Lingle mm-hmm. was a, f- uh, a devout Christian. Mm-hmm. And she was a believer in universal Christianity okay. or uh, I think it's called salvation Christianity in some different ways philosophies of it. Okay. And that that religious tenet that she uh, valued really deeply and lived all of her life with was, it doesn't really matter if you believe. okay, It's all going to come for the good. Okay. So, um, and I didn't write down the quote. She had a really interesting quote about it where it was, you know, like, some sheep may get lost and stray, but they're all going to be included in the flock at the end. Huh. Do- it okay. doesn't really matter. Okay. And um, that the punishment aspect mm-hmm. of some religious portrayals was like that was not the focus for her it was on right. the good and the love and the light right and in in most of the books in this series you'll see that kind of overtone of um a more light light-filled kind mm-hmm. of christianity mm-hmm. and you're right that is not usually my my deal in books but in this one i thought it played really nicely mm-hmm. in with that kind of epic battle between good and evil mm-hmm. yeah so when they're out searching for their dad, what they find is that there's lots of planets and spaces that are fighting this black thing. It's a cloud that hovers over places that's disallowing them from reaching their full potential. Or it's it, when they go to um, Kamazots, where her dad is being held, it's forced all the people on this planet into this incredibly strict, structured um like Stepford. Yeah. It's not communism. Right. And there were definitely some kind of connections between um, what people thought her book was saying about communism in the early to mid-60s, sure. but she was really talking about totalitarianism and the need to fight against that in a democracy. right? And so this black cloud is supposed to be portraying like what happens when you suppress people's autonomy and individuality and the availability of space to become yourself. And I thought that tied in really nicely with some of her personal beliefs Mm -hmm. about religion Mm -hmm. and that she portrayed it throughout this series in a very clear and concise manner. Like, you got what she was saying. Yes. It was there. And one of the really fascinating things about her and this book in particular, but others in the series, is she's gotten dinged because this book is both too religious for some groups that are more secular. And it is banned in some Christian schools and teachings because of its universal portrayal of Christianity. And and witchcraft. And witchcraft, yes. Because there's one, there's a medium in here who's looking into a crystal ball. Yeah. I thought it was just fascinating. I didn't realize a book could kind of anger two sides of one topic. Yes. But it sure did.
0: And yes, I'm glad you brought that up. Because um, part of the discussion that her granddaughter does at the end of the book, Mm -hmm. the audio book, is um she talks about that and she also talked about um Ms. Langle's um view on love and mm-hmm. she used to get frustrated when people would say love is powerful because and I this is not a direct quote but it's a pretty close mm-hmm. quote the granddaughter says no no it's not powerful because power implies that you're gonna kind of beat somebody into submission mm-hmm. or coerce them into doing something. Mm. And love is not coercive. Love is being um vulnerable Uh to other people and and having the connections that are built from that and i think that that's a beautiful Mm -hmm. um, description and i think it comes through in this Mm -hmm. um, particularly at the end when she's telling uh, charles wallace that she loves him Mm -hmm. and sort of asking him to join her rather than beating him into submission to join her. Agreed. Did I say him? Her.
1: No, no, I, I got you on there. I wrote down a quote about that one, actually. So it was, um, uh, according to the USA Today, this, this novel, Wrinkle Time, was challenged in school districts, uh, particularly one in Alabama, due to the book's listing of the name of Jesus Christ together with the names of great artists, philosophers, yes. scientists, and other religious leaders when referring to those who defended Earth against evil. Yep. So Ms. Lingle's response to that at a later time was, it seems that people are willing to damn the book without reading it. Hmm. Nonsense about witchcraft and fantasy. First I felt horror, then anger, and then finally I said, ah, oh, the hell with it. It's great publicity anyways. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I liked I liked that. Like she's, you know, eventually with censorship challenges, you just you lean into the strengths and the faults as they're identified. But I absolutely agree with you. So when you were listening to it, the great mastermind on kamazots was it called it or it? It. It. So it's just capital it in the oh, book. Oh, that's interesting yeah. because
0: it was sort of said it, you know, like in a very authoritative
1: voice. Yeah. So it's always capitalized. There's no letters between us. I wasn't sure. But it in the book is this giant brain. It's like sitting on a pedestal. (laughs) And it is trying to ensure that everyone is able to live their fullest lives on this planet by doing exactly what they're told in exactly the same way in exactly the same fashion. Same time every day. Same day every week. Same month. Bouncing
0: the ball at the same
1: time. Yes. And you're going to be punished if you don't. Yep. And their young brother uh, Charles Wallace is sucked in because he he tries to to use his uh, abilities to figure out what's going on in this big brain's actual brain, and he gets caught. And Meg is told to use her own faults mm-hmm. to come back and try and find a way to to release her brother from the hold that's been taken over him. And so at first she yells because mm-hmm. she thinks that's one of her faults. Mm-hmm. And then she tries to, like, tackle him mm-hmm. uh, because let's use some physical prowess. Nope, mm-hmm. that didn't work either. And then eventually, you're right, she says, I love you. Like, this, that space, that energy can't give you this. And you need to come. And then he does. He comes back with them. And I thought that was a really... Interesting play off of some of the conversations around feminism in this book mm-hmm. as well. So at the beginning, you know, she's a young lady. She doesn't feel really well about herself, but her family loves her. Yeah. And uh, this young man she finds eventually wants to give her smoochies too. <laughs> and she finds she finds so many similarities between herself and her father when she sees him again yeah. too. Yeah. It was just it was a really nice kind of like early '60s spin on it's good to be you. Yeah. Do not try and force yourself into a weird mold that you're never going to be happy or comfortable in. Be happy that you're great at math because that is going to save the world someday. Right. And it's okay that your hair doesn't lay flat or is too frizzy. Like, who cares when you're traveling through space and time? Right. Uh, That might come in handy someday.
0: Well, absolutely. And I loved um, the the idea of looking at your quote-unquote faults Mm -hmm. as assets. Yeah. And because it's all about perspective, right mm-hmm. and um, and I think that that's a charming uh, gift to give teenagers or people struggling anybody struggling with um, wanting to be something that they think they're not. there's um,
1: so Ms Langle has passed on now, mm-hmm. but her materials are still being printed, new works are still being done. There's a graphic novel recently that came out of course there is. And when I was looking on their website this morning, they have a series of um, merch that they mm-hmm. do that is meant to support uh, continued work for women's rights, voting rights, mm-hmm. and basic literacy. And the one that they have promoted on there right now is a shirt that says, stay angry, little Meg. <laughs> You're going to need all your anger now. <laughs> and it's when they're telling her that she's going to need to use her faults mm-hmm. to find a way to save her family. And yep. I was like, oh, I know where. some <laughs> Christmas money is going for me. That speaks to you. <laughs> it did speak to me. <laughs> that's, um, that's great. Well, I'm glad that you enjoyed parts of this. I, I kind of figured there was going to be – there were definitely some pieces that I reread in here, and I was like, ah, oh, that's a little bit of a gap. Mm-hmm. Oh, I wish they would have spoken a little bit more to that. Mm-hmm. And I know in future books they will cover it, but mm-hmm. if you're reading it as a standalone novel, there are definitely some some plot holes in there. There
0: are, but, you know, in retrospect, I, that's part of what I would consider the ambiguity that I was uh, – mm-hmm. that that was fine with me. Yeah. I was – that I was willing to, to go along with most of that without that trying I'm gonna count
1: this as a thousand percent win then. <laughs> Tell me what delightful book you're having us need read next month.
0: Well, I'm going to completely blow your mind. Already blown, pre-blown, ready to go. Okay. Oh. I'm gonna have you read a fantasy book. <laughs> I know. I know. Maybe the world has exploded. What? It's called The Silver Witch by an author named Paula Braxton. Okay. And all I'm going to tell you is that, you may not know this, but earlier this year I went to Wales. I may not know that. The country. That's correct. And this is set in Wales. Mm -hmm. I was trying to read everything I could get my little (laughs) hands on. And um, I think you will enjoy this. I'm ready. And so um, Paula Braxton's The Silver Witch. She has written a lot of stuff, and this is part of a trilogy. And it's the middle one, and I think I read another one in there, and I didn't like it as much. Okay. So... I will further delay our
1: reading of The Hobbits*, depending on how good this book is. <laughs> well, thank you for joining us on You're Making Me Read What? Even if this book wasn't your cup of tea, there are millions more where that came from. Don't forget,
0: you can always grab these books and lots more at your local library.
1: Please do join us next month when we will be discussing The Silver Witch by Paula Braxton. Thank you, and keep on reading.